This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you for coming today. You did pretty good here. It'll be interesting here in about 30 minutes when we see people coming in for the 11 o'clock service. So you did good. Way to go. Got up and came to church. Hey, if you need a Bible, raise your hands. Our ushers would gladly get you the Word of God. Uh, I'm going to start here in 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2. So if you've got your Bible, turn there with me. If you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. Our ushers would gladly put the Word of God in your hands so you can see this. I believe God will speak to your heart today. So we're still on our series here, The Touch of God. Just a, a quick thought here for you to help you maybe notice some things today. Uh, we do have a police car and a, a police officer here that will be with us in our services from now on. This isn't a recommendation, but this is becoming a requirement. So again, we're just following some things that we've had to with insurance-wise. So I don't want you to be blindsided. It's a good thing, all right? Okay, 1 Kings chapter 2 is where we're going to begin. So we go back to the bloodline of Jesus. And if we went back to Matthew 1, you would see it over and over again. And, you know, when I look at Jesus' bloodline, you have the thought, man, Jesus had some crazy folk in his bloodline. I mean, there was some crazy stuff. You know, again, I, I don't know if I call you dad or I call you granddad, just stuff over and over. And so... I think that happens with every one of us, that never one of us come from anything perfect. And so just because I don't come from a great background doesn't eliminate me from the things of God. Actually, I believe it qualifies us. And so if we were to study where we're going today, it would say King David begot Solomon. And some translation says begot Solomon through Bathsheba. Some translations will say he begot Solomon through the woman who was the wife of Uriah. Now, remember that was last week. And so Uriah was the wife of Bathsheba until uh, King David put a hit on him and had him killed. Crazy, crazy stuff. So now we see that King David's son, his name is Solomon. So we're going to learn a little bit here about him today. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. Now the days of David knew, drew near that he should die, and he charged his son Solomon, saying, Now, King David's at the end of his life. These are his last words, and I, I believe this was like his, his farewell address to his son. And he's leaving with these, these incredible instructions and, and these thoughts that he says, Listen, these admonitions, you got to get a hold of them, okay? Verse 2. I go the way of all the earth. And that statement literally means that King David knew he's about to die. He's about to check out of this place. And so he says, be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. Be strong. Now, if we talked about our, our main scripture text for this, this is Psalms 92, verse 10. And part of that verse, it says that, that the Lord wants to be our horn, which is literally to be our strength. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So he's telling Solomon, he said, Listen, son, you got to be strong in the Lord. And, and then he enter, in, ended with this incredible statement. He says, Prove yourself a man. 
Now, I think at times in our lives, we have this thought that manhood is maybe in a number. You know, when you turn 16, you get a drive. When you turn 18, you can vote. When you turn 18, you can join the military. When you turn 21, man, you've really arrived. So a lot of times I say those numbers because we think a number determines a man. A number doesn't determine a man, okay? And so I believe what goes on here is the instructions that he's going to give Solomon, King David is going to define what it looks like to be a godly man. Verse 3, and keep the charge of the Lord your God and to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, his testimonies, and is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. So he gets over and he says, make God the center of your life. And what he's telling him here, he says, this, is, this has got to be your total allegiance. Your loyalty to God isn't just in what you say, but it's interesting. He said, keep the word. He said, walk in those ways. And so he's highlighting some things that he's wanting to put in his son before he leaves. And he said, you've, you've got to stick with the word of God. And it's interesting at the very end that he said, that you'll prosper wherever you go. So two things off of that. God's not against you and me prospering. And number two, the way I walk in prosperity, no matter where I'm at, is how well I obey the word of God. Verse four, that the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart, with all their soul, he said, you shall not like a man of the throne of Israel. So he's saying with this well-seasoned advice, this man after God's own heart and likeness, he's saying, listen, Solomon, you can't live off of my success. You're gonna have to obey the word of God. And just as I was an example to you, you be example to your kids. You model what it looks like to be a godly father, a godly man. And so he gives Solomon some incredible nuggets right here. Turn just a couple pages to 1 Kings chapter 3. Do you know the precondition of any, any of God's promises? Is I got to obey. I got to obey. It's what I see over and over. It's just how well I obey the Bible. 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 1. So Solomon's going along here in life, and it says, Solomon made a treaty with the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, most believe the reason he did this was for security reasons. It was to, to align with this ungodly man. So he says here that he made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he married the Pharaoh's daughter. Now, when you see that right there, remember the Pharaoh was over Egypt. The problem here wasn't that King David married an Egyptian woman. It's not wrong to marry an Egyptian woman, American woman, a German woman, an African woman, a South American woman. The issue is always this, who is their God? Who's their God? 
So he, he marries this Egyptian woman right here. And again, we see a pattern over and over in Jesus' bloodline. This is 2 Corinthians 6, 14, which says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't, don't compromise in this area. It, it's like night and day. Don't, don't do these things. Don't team up with an unbeliever. And again, it, it's one thing to know the word of God. It's another thing to obey it. But when you see why the Lord tells this, the spiritual siege of future catastrophe. It's what this is. We think we can override the word of God. We think that his commands, even though I know them, I don't have to obey them. They won't have consequences. So again, when I override the word of God, this is a spiritual seed of future catastrophe. Now in Solomon's life, this little improper deal that he did right here was the beginning of his downfall. Why, why is that? It was the inroad to ungodly ideas and practices. And it's very for us to, to minimize religious differences. We can have this thought. It'll all be okay. We're young and we're, we're in love and you know what? It, it'll all just work out. Well, you've just broke the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not kid thyself. And so just like Solomon, me and you are not exempt from this. Keep reading. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for them in the name of the Lord until those days. So when you see the word high places, this, this was literally what we would call a, a pagan custom. And the reason this was forbidden was these were old sites where they would worship to the false god of, of Baal. And the Israelites, they were forbidden to do this. And there's some other things in here. Let me keep reading and we'll explain. Verse 3. And Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of his father, David. So at this time in Solomon's life, he loved the Lord. And he allowed his father's influences to come alive in him. So you read right there, he loved the Lord. I, I wish it always stayed that way. But he goes on to say in verse 3, except that he sacrificed and burned incenses at the high places. So in my Bible, I'm looking at this and I circle the word accept. Now, I believe this was a regression in his life because who he married. And so his devotion for, uh, to God fully was separated. It was pulled in different directions. Now, here's a great thought off of that verse right there. Is there accept in your life today? What's the accept in your life? Could be one thing, could be a dozen things. What is the accept that pulls me away from God? And it's something I believe every one of us, we, we must answer that question. Is there an accept in my life? Verse four. 
Now the king Solomon went to Gibeon to sacrifices there. For that was the great high place. Now let me highlight this just a little bit because this was an unusual exception. And the reason this is, is because the temple hadn't been built yet. So when Solomon goes to this place at Gibeon to, to sacrifice, this wasn't in an adulterous way. After the temple was born, it was a no-no to go to the high places. So this is the only reason I'm clarifying. This was okay at this moment. So it says here that he went to the high place and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. A thousand. That's a bunch. That's a crazy amount right there. That's an unbelievable amount. And I believe it revealed his gratitude to God. Now, watch in verse 5 how God felt about that. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. So he shows up to Solomon in a dream at night. I believe God still desires to do those things. So why does God show up to mankind at dreams by night? Well, I believe two reasons. One, it's the only time in our lives when we go to sleep that our bodies get still. Number two, it's the only time in my life that my mind goes still. I don't know if your mind is like mine. Man, when I'm awake, there's a jillion thoughts going to my mind. So at night when we're still and our mind is still, God speaks. And when you see this right here, this is a prophetic dream. And the reason we know it's a prophetic dream is because it's cross-referenced to the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28. That was a prophecy, but also Peter spoke this same prophecy in Acts chapter 2. Now, I want to read this to you real quick. Because I believe this, this is an anointing. This is a touch of God that God wants to stir back up in here. Is, is there anyone in here who's ever had dreams? Yeah. And maybe you've quit dreaming. Maybe you've never. I'm telling you right now, I believe God is saying this right here because he wants us to dream. So this is Acts 2 verse 17. It says, and it shall come to pass in the last day, says God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. What a prophecy. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. God still desires to do those things. And he said, the young will see vision and the old will dream dreams. I still see visions, okay? I'm not old enough to dream yet, all right? I'm, I'm still into the visions. What a wake up here. I, I pray that happens. You know, I had a lady after the first service. She came and she said, Pastor, just in the past month, I've started dreaming again. Just incredible dreams. Woo, pour your spirit on us, Lord. So he has these dreams. Now look. And God said... Ask what I shall give you. God asking. 
He said, what shall I give you? So I'm reading that right there, and here's the thought. If the Lord woke you up in your dream or let you sleep through your dreams or he knocked on the door of your heart and said, ask what what you desire from me. Ask what, what I can do for you. What would your response be right now? Now, I'm not trying to be politically correct. I'm not trying to be religiously correct. I'm not trying to be Christian correct because sometimes when we'd ask that in the church, we'd all get real spiritual and say, well, you know, I, I, I want a double dose of the anointing. I, I want, I, you know, I, I want to preach. I want to do these things. God's not against that. But deep down in your heart right now, what if God asked you that, what would your response be? I believe God loves to hear us ask. I really believe that with all my heart. So he says, ask. Pick up with me, verse 9. Solomon said, therefore give your servant an understanding heart. Give to your servant a heart that not only accumulates, but it retains your knowledge. Most translations will say, he said, give me wisdom. Keep reading. Why? To judge your people. Notice he said, your people. That I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. So he understands the responsibilities that's fallen upon him as the king. And he's saying, Father God, I need wisdom to rightly lead and judge your people. That was what he asked for. Verse 10. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing, have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone like arise after you. So he asked for wisdom. And God graced him with it. God's not against gracing us with these things. And so he blesses him with this. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 13, and I believe this is the bonus. You know our God has bonuses. God's going to bonus you. Also, I have given you What you have not asked. Both riches and honor. Let me just stop right there. Do you see our God right there? He he wants to bless us with riches. He wants to bless us with honor. But it's got to be done his way. But he's not against that. And he goes on to say these incredible words here. So that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if, now look at this. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked. Then I will lengthen your days. So there is something that happened because of what David did. 
the extension or the beneficiary of what King David did. He said, I'm going to bless you because your daddy was a godly man. But he, he puts a word in there, and I circle that word, if. If you continue to serve me, if you continue to obey me, if. If if and buts were candy and nuts, what a Merry Christmas we'd have. If. So I got to have the desire to obey. Now, if you'll notice, he ended that verse and said, then I will lengthen your days. I'll let you live long on this earth. Most Jewish commentaries said that King Solomon died at the age of 52. You know what that tells you real quick? He got off track somewhere. Turn to chapter 11, 1 Kings 11. So at this time in King Solomon's life, life is going well. The wisdom that God blessed him with is far more precious to him than the throne. I mean, he, he's, he's got so much wisdom. Do you know, he's the writer of the Proverbs. He's the writer of Ecclesiastes. His, his wisdom was just, this, this one queen of Sheba came to hear his wisdom. He would just speak with such great clarity. Until 1 Kings 11. But King Solomon loved more, many foreign women as well as the daughter of the Pharaoh, the Egyptian. Women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, the Hittites. From the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them. Uh-oh. Jewish commentaries say he was obsessed with women. And God says, don't intermarry with them. Why would God say don't intermarry with them? Well, here's the problem. Surely, 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 not maybe so, not hope so, but surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. And Solomon, he clung to these in love. They'll pull your heart away from God. And this is the negative consequences that are inevitable. See, it's one thing to know the Word of God. It's another thing to believe the Word of God. But the ultimate is, I must obey the Word of God. So my convictions don't supersede God's commandments. Let me say that one more time. My convictions don't supersede God's commandments. So my convictions oftentimes are based on my opinion or the world around me. But let me highlight that again. My convictions don't override God's commandments. And it's a nugget of truth right there. We got to get. Verse 3. And he had 700 wives. The Lord bless you. And the Lord keep you. I'm, I'm not trying to be ugly here, but I, I really wonder if he even knew their names. Hey, what's your name? 
How, how long you been hanging around? I, I highlight this again because this was folk in Jesus' bloodline. Now he doesn't in there. Keep going here. And he had 300 concubines. I wonder if, I'm not trying to be funny again either. I wonder if he had them numbered. Hey, 272. This is, this is crazy, isn't it? Now watch what happens here. And his wife turned away his heart. They swayed his heart. Now, I, I know I'm prophetically correct right here that none of us in here have a thousand wives or a thousand husbands, okay? I know none of us do that. So I know that's not the issue here, but is there things in my life, in your life right now, that sway my heart away from God? That, that they pull me away from God? They distract me from God? Verse 4. For it was so when Solomon was old or he grew old that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. He began to compromise. And in, in, in internal weakness that he, he didn't follow in the paths of his father. And I think human nature all, a lot of times is, I, I know the reason behind God's commands, but I start rationalizing and I start thinking, I'm immune from the dangers or the consequences. In other words, I know what God's word says, but I think I can go ahead and do or violate what God said, and there won't be any retribution. There won't be any consequences. And I think it's a trick from the enemy where we get away understanding the Lord said in Romans 6, the wages of sin is death. The compensation, the retribution. I, I gotta stay with the things of God right here. Same chapter, verse 9, I'm skipping. So the Lord became angry with Solomon. Why? Why would the Lord become angry? Because his heart had turned from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Now he appeared to him, we read the first one in 1 Kings 3, 5. If you like to study the, the Bible, the second time the Lord spoke to him was in 1 Kings 9, verse 2. And so I encourage you to go back and read to him, but the Lord had appeared to him twice. Verse 10. And he had commanded him concerning this thing or this matter that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. And so we go back at this guy named King Solomon and his downfall started with this one small area of compromise. Just one small area. 
But over years, sin has the ability to grow or grow up. And I believe this is what happened to him. And so the, the sins that we begin to excuse in our lives, they come back and they cause the greatest trouble. And so I say this, that, that I pray you get this. Never allow sin to go unchallenged. What do I mean by that? When I get over in sin and I know I've blown it, I know this happens with us because the Lord said in John 16 that I gave the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin. So when we blow it, the Holy Spirit starts going to work in our heart, starts scratching on your heart, not to beat us up, but to get us to a place. And it says, he sent the Spirit to convict us of sin where I get to a place and say, I'm wrong, Lord. I blew it. But if I don't challenge that with the blood of Jesus and repentance, sin becomes like a cancer. And this is what happened to King Solomon. Go to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. You may say, where is the world is that? That's right after the Proverbs. Again, I told you a minute ago that King Solomon was the author of Ecclesiastes. And he had a couple real important phrases that he would use. One of them was early in Ecclesiastes 1 where he said, it's like grasping in the wind. You ever grasp for the wind? You can't catch the wind. You just can't do it. And then another term he used over and over, and I encourage you to read Ecclesiastes. It's 12 chapters. But one of the words he uses is a word called vanity. Vanity, 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 which has the meaning of it's, it's useless. And the things of this world are the avenues that mankind tells us this will make you happy. But it won't make you happy. And when you go back and look at everything in his life that says is vanity, I'm telling you, this guy had everything under the sun. He had ranches and livestock and he had farms and crops. He had vineyards. He had lakes. He had ponds. He had huge homes. He had uh, maid servants and men servants. He had a thousand wives. But yet at the end of his life, he said, it's all vanity. It's all vanity. So we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And I want to read verses 13 and 14, and this is what we'll end with. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Let's hear the whole story. Now again, this, this is at the end of his life. So this may date some of you. Years ago, every day at 12 o'clock from 12 to 12.05, I would listen to this guy named Paul Harvey. And Paul Harvey would say, and that's the rest of the story. Does anybody remember those days? Thank you for bailing me out. I'm, I'm glad some of you are that old. Thank you. I believe this is what King David, I mean King Solomon saying, 
This is the rest of the story. Now listen to what he says. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. The very first thing he says, fear God. I believe this is one of the greatest anointing or the touch of God that needs to come back within the church. We don't fear God. We fear men more than we fear God. Fear God, to, to stand in awe of God, to reverence God. I, I believe this is a, a thing that needs to take place globally, the fear of God. And this is one of my prayers today for us, that there's a fresh anointing on every one of us to fear God. You know, I, I welcome you to tell God there on this, Lord, I, I welcome a fear of God in my life. I welcome that. And he says, and keep his commandments. Keep his commandments. Now, if you look, he says, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. This is it. This is life in a nutshell. If you want to succeed, fear God and obey God. This is coming from the wisest man that ever walked the earth. A man who said, it's all grasping in the wind. It's all vanity. Hang on to these two things. And then he says, for this is man's all. A term that stands in, in sharp contrast to the things of this world that are found to be vanity. This is man's all. One's priorities should lie not in the things of this life, but in God. And, and watch how he ends this. For God will bring every work into judgment. Every work into judgment. Including every secret thing. Not just for a selected few of us, but for every one of us. We're going to stand before God. Everything, even the secret things. You may got some secret things in here. I'm going to give you a little piece here that God will grace us with. God knows the secret things right now. He already knows. So what would happen if we just go before God and say, man, Father God, I blew it. I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. And if I read my Bible correctly, God said in 1 John 1, 9, that if I would confess my sin, that I would confess my sin. He didn't say, you know, confess John's. I'd really like to confess your sins too, John. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not responsible for John. I'm responsible for me. But if I would confess my sin, he said he would forgive me and he'd cleanse me. Ooh, that's the robe of humility that says, man, Father God, whether good or evil. So you know what I see what Solomon's telling us? It's not just enough to know about God. 
And it's not just enough to, to read about God. It's not just enough to write about God. It's, I gotta know him. I, I gotta know him. I, I wanna know him. I, I wanna know you in an intimate relationship. I wanna know you where you address me as a friend to God. And the only way I get to know him is I hang out with him and I get into his presence and I worship at his feet. I wanna know him. I, I wanna know you. I want to know your love. I want to know your peace. I want to know your. I, I want to know you like the prophets of old. I want to know you like Jeremiah, like Obadiah, like Zephaniah. I want to know you, Father God. But see, the only way that happens is on the inside of us, where we get and realize all these things in my life—they're not going to make me happy. Only you, Jesus. Only you, Jesus. See, do you live life for the immediate or do you live him for the ultimate? And I believe when we read this about Solomon here, he wanted all the readers to understand all these things were senseless pursuits. Senseless. My accomplishments, my success, my, my, my prosperity, they're not going to satisfy Let me give you a little revelation here. All the things that you have stored in your attic, they're not going with you. All the things that you have stored in that storage garage that you rent ever, not going with you. You're, you're not taking an 18-wheeler with you. You're not taking a truckload full of your stuff with you. You're not going to get a pack, a little trunk with all your trinket, not going with you. You're not going to get to take a suitcase with you. You're not going to get to take a backpack with you. Now, this one's really going to hurt. You're not even going to take your wallet with you. You came into this world naked. The message says you came into the world penniless, and that's how you're going to leave. This was his heart's desire right here. Just an incredible passion at the end of his life. And, and I believe one of the nuggets, and you can stand on your feet here with me, one of the nuggets that King Solomon would say, listen in life. There's a starting point, and there's definitely an ending point. Live for God all the days of your life. So just right there where you're at, and this will be the Holy Spirit will go to work in us, every one of us. Just bow your head and close your eyes here. And, and I go back to the stuff with, with Solomon. Is there an accept in your life right now? What's the accept in my life that, that keeps me from fully serving him? What's the things in my life, in my heart right now that have swayed me away from God? They've pulled me away from God. What's the things in my life that 
grasping in the wind. It's just vanity. But there's some good things too. I believe again there's some of you that God is wanting to stir up those dreams again. Where you dream and you see the kingdom of God. I believe there's some of you in here right now that our Heavenly Father is saying, I'm just waiting for you to ask. Just ask, Father God, I come before you. And so we come in here today. Again, you know your heart, you know where you're at. And so as our team gets ready to play, something happens at these altars. When people respond to him. And so again, I, I love to give people the opportunity to respond. And, and all those analogies that I that may be you and you may say, Pastor, every one of those are me. That's okay. God's into fixing broken pieces. But I gotta respond to him. So to start here this morning, I'm going to let them sing here and lead us. And you may want to come and say, Lord, here I am. I need to repent. I, I, I got some hang-ups here. Let God move within you, okay? Go ahead, Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.